0: Welcome to the Authentically American Podcast, featuring inspiring stories from great Americans who are making a difference. Your host is West Point grad, former Army Ranger, and founder of Authentically American, Dean Wegner.
1: Well, Claire, thank you for joining us here on the Authentically American Podcast. It is absolutely a pleasure and a privilege to have you as a guest.
0: Well, thank you very much. It's my my privilege excited about it.
1: You know, it's exciting to be here in Capstar's relatively new headquarters right here in downtown Nashville.
0: The galactic headquarters <laughs> yes we've been here uh, two and a half years now in this location. So
1: Fantastic and we want to touch on a lot of the Capstar journey because I mean your whole story in the banking industry and what you've done is an amazing one but I want to go all the way back you know in an early age and I've found so often people's formative years those early childhood years oftentimes shape you know where they become today so tell me a little bit Bit about those days. Give me a glimpse yeah. of your childhood.
0: Yeah. So um, I was born in Mississippi. Uh, my grandfather was a banker. Okay. Uh, in, in Meridian, Mississippi, mm-hmm. um, I grew up in South Georgia. My dad was a banker. Um, probably the early formative um, recollection I have is Sunday afternoons mm-hmm. back when gas was twenty-nine cents a gallon. <laughs> um, we would all get in the family mm-hmm. car and, and drive around to uh, different real estate projects my dad was financing, so I got a taste early on about uh, just the process of looking at um, percentage completion and understanding draw yeah. requests for uh, construction projects. So it uh, really piqued my interest in becoming a banker.
1: So literally, blanking was in your blood. Literally, yeah. <laughs> literally. Was there any ever question about you're going anything different or with your grandfather and your father in banking? You knew... That's the pathway. I, I,
0: I really knew. Uh-huh. You know, my degree is in accounting. Okay. My undergrad degree mm-hmm. is in accounting. I have my graduate degree in banking. But mm-hmm. um, uh, my dad always said, if you at least get your degree in banking, you can go mm-hmm. into any field. Uh, or it. excuse me, a degree in accounting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think I knew all along that's what I wanted to do. So.
1: Did you like the accounting class? I love it. That was my least favorite. Oh no, no, <laughs> no, no, no! I
0: love it because it's black and uh-huh. white. You're either right or you're not. Got it. So. No Fantastic. question about it, yes.
1: So what were some of those jobs that when you were you know, following around your dad or your grandfather early on, did you do any work in the bank with them? Or? No, no,
0: no. I never, I never worked for my dad. Okay. Um, and I actually never knew my grandfather. He died the year before mm-hmm. I was born. But, oh, goodness. But um, he had a great reputation as a, as a banker in Mississippi. So. Uh, but no, I never worked for my dad. My first job in banking was three weeks after I graduated undergrad. I moved to Nashville and Uh uh, started working at First American and worked there in that same building for 25 years. So what was that first job? The first job, I was a management trainee, Uh uh, which meant I had an opportunity to go to different departments, which probably was one of the best things that I could have done in my career Oh yeah. because I was able to really learn and gain appreciation for the backroom line, which is um, what I've done all my career.
1: Fantastic. So 25 years there. At that building,
0: at that, building, that, bank. In that, at that wow. bank, yeah. yeah.
1: So did you even have any thoughts or aspirations early on that you'd be the CEO of a publicly traded
0: bank? Not a publicly traded bank, uh-huh. um, but I had um, a woman who worked at, at First American with me, um, had a group of women for lunch one day, and we went around the room, and she asked each of us what we wanted to do, and I okay. said, well, I'm going to be president of the bank. And she said, oh, no, honey, that's just not going to happen. This is a men's world. And I thought to myself, I'll show you. So
1: Threw down the gauntlet.
0: <clears throat> yep, threw down the gauntlet. Mm-hmm. I never said that to her. I just said, you know, I, respectfully, I disagree. Mm-hmm. And um, when I became president of uh, the bank at First American, mm-hmm. the corporate bank, she was the first one to write me a congratulatory note. Oh, wow. Which was, was very classy. That is. So she is, you know, she inspired me to. Uh, oh yeah. To reach for it. So she grab remembered that moment too. Oh yeah. She remembered that moment. So, yeah. Now, public, publicly traded company. No, I did not. Uh, really think about it in that context, particularly not mm-hmm. taking a company public. Right. Um, which well, tell good. me about
1: that because you, know, you had a great run going there to First American. You were the president, and things were going well. And then, two thousand eight.
0: Well, um, I was at First American until uh, we sold the bank in 1999. Okay. I stayed at the Am South for a year. They were the acquirer. Um, I then took a year off and uh, to test the waters and see mm-hmm. if I wanted to do something else. Mm-hmm. So I did a little consulting gig where I was playing the CFO Okay, for some companies here in town, actually working with the bankers, which was kind of fun in and of itself because oh, yeah. I knew what hot buttons to hit. But, um <laughs> But um, Mm -hmm. I I knew quickly that I wanted to get back into banking. So um, I went to work for Jim Ayers and helped him start his metropolitan banks here in Middle Tennessee, Mm -hmm. Memphis, and in um, Knoxville. And then I got the phone call uh, from um, the gentleman who's now our chairman Mm -hmm. who asked if I would take responsibility for starting a bank. So the closest I had ever been to being an entrepreneur at that point Mm -hmm. was living vicariously through my customers. Right. And so it, it took a big gulp. Um, there's a reason. There's not a book that says here's how to start a bank mm-hmm. because most people only do it once. <laughs> and then...
1: <laughs> that's enough.
0: That's enough, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but it's been a very, very rewarding experience. Right.
1: So what was the motivation that said, okay, you've had a successful run at an existing bank. Let's start a new bank. What was it?
0: I think it was the... Um, the mission mm-hmm. that was there uh, in the mid-70s and 80s, Nashville was known as the Wall Street of the South, Okay. and the three banks that really were the major players here had 75% market share, but they were local banks. Each of those banks ultimately sold, and so you had a landscape without mm-hmm. the, Na- the, the local national Nashville mm-hmm. banks, and so I think just, ha- <coughs> excuse me. Having an opportunity to um, change that landscape and get back to banking the way it was when mm-hmm. I grew up as a banker yeah. it was very inspiring to me. Plus, it was something different. I was a little bit bored with what I was doing.
1: Got tired <laughs> uh, of poking people having the, <laughs> was, as a consultant?
0: Well, no, no. I was <laughs> a banker again for five years okay. after the consulting gig with Jim Ayers at First Bank. I see. Yeah. And then we started working on Capstar, so.
1: So walk me through, because it, it's daunting just to think back how big of a task that is. So how did that even start? I mean, where do you even get started? Like you said, there's no playbook.
0: There's no playbook. Mm-hmm. Well, it started with the conversation. Uh, I talked to my dad and said, yeah, this is something we ought to do. But my requirement was, um, and I told the group of investors, I said, I will do this, but only if my colleague, Tip Evans, does it with me, because he's the brains behind all the operation." And I knew I had to have that in order to make it successful. And so uh, we literally started out um, in a conference room down on 2nd Avenue in May of 2007. Um, we each had a job. One person went to Staples to get office equipment. <laughs> uh, TIP was, re- was, was required to um, figure out what operating system we wanted. One individual had the most important job, and that was going to the state of Tennessee to get our payroll ID Mm
1: -hmm. so we could
0: get paid. And then I was really about doing the the regulatory filings, building the the pro formas, putting the business plan Mm -hmm. together. Um, Took us 59 rounds on the pro formas.
1: 59.
0: Before we got it just right. But interest rates kept moving on us. Yeah. So you had to recalibrate all of that. Because when we started working on it, Prime was eight and a quarter. When we opened the doors, it was five and a quarter. And by December of 2008, it was three and a quarter. So we had flat rates for seven mm-hmm. years. Um, and that changes the dynamics of the financials. Wow. Pretty handily, yeah. yeah.
1: So I had no idea, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so buy. it was fun, yeah. Mm-hmm. And
0: it was um You know, that was at a time, had we waited six weeks to raise our money, we raised $88 million in about eight weeks. And um, had we waited another six weeks, if we had delayed it, we wouldn't be here today. Because that was when Bear Stearns crashed, Mm -hmm. Lehman Brothers crashed, um, and you had the whole mortgage um, banking uh, debacle that that occurred. So timing was really, really great for us on that, yeah.
1: So you said, let me make sure the number's right, so $88 million.
0: $88 million,
1: yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I've raised some funds for investors you know, with Authentically American, and it's not easy. It's not and easy. And there's you know, an extra decimal point on the numbers you were raising. Yeah. So tell me about that process.
0: Well, um, I think Denny, uh, Denny Bodorf, who is our chairman, and he was the one that, that came to me to ask me to do this, um, we felt pretty confident that there was interest locally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people that wanted to invest in the bank, and so we did not hire an investment banker. We had someone who helped us with really the administrative piece of the subscription agreements, (coughs) excuse me, and um, communicating, but we just had a series of either one-on-one meetings with folks we thought would invest half a million to a million. Uh, Then we had some group presentations that we did, and um, I think we, we generated... Uh, 275 investors. Okay, we did have one private equity firm that ha- was known to us uh, that called and said, "Hey, we'd like to invest." So um, they put in a nice sum of money as so well.
1: One more institution, <laughs> but the rest were more individual investors. Well, it was
0: a, it was private equity. It wasn't really institutional okay. uh, per se. Um, depends on how you think about institutional. Yeah. It wasn't like it was BlackRock or right. someone like that. But um, yeah, so our board probably contributed, the, the group that we uh, put together as a board probably had invested $35 million. So It was well <laughs> yeah, so
1: yeah.
0: So they were, my board was invested, and they were invested.
1: Yeah, they, yeah. double.
0: They, they cared about what was going on, for sure.
1: They got to feel pretty good. Ten years later, yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Well, you know, it's 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 certainly been a challenge with the economy Mm -hmm. there for um, you know from 2008 to probably 2012. It was a little little tough. Mm -hmm. Um, We had we had a relatively easy go of it just in terms of the. all of our competitors were inwardly focused for a couple of years because they either had credit problems, mm-hmm. capital problems, liquidity problems. And so we were able to take advantage of a team of really, really good bankers that we had put together, go out and call on folks. Um, and and we, we grew the bank to a billion dollars within about three years. Wow. Yeah. So it's been good.
1: So who were some of those first customers? Were they...
0: People that we had banked, um, we had 35 people when we started the bank, 35 bankers, um, and um, 35 employees of the bank. Uh-huh. And uh, it was people we had all banked through the years, healthcare companies, manufacturing companies, wholesalers, um, uh, the whole gamut. Uh, a lot of, we, we, we focused on commercial real estate as well. Not really any residential, but commercial and business banking. So that that type customer.
1: It's all about the relationship.
0: It's all about the relationship, yeah.
1: And yeah. I said, so Claire, that's something talking with your team. You're not afraid to hop in a car, hop in a plane, go visit <laughs> a customer. <laughs> no, that's what
0: I love doing. Uh-huh. That's what I love doing, yeah.
1: Fantastic. Okay. So, you know, <clears throat> looking back, you know, early on, I guess one thing I was curious, did you have a coach, a mentor, you know, over your years?
0: It's a great question. Uh-huh. Um, I did, I did. Actually, it's, it's been uh, the same individual that's our chairman now. Okay. Um, uh, I've worked with him for about 30 years.
1: He's triply invested mm-hmm. then. <laughs> yeah.
0: And so it's it's been good to know that I can trust him and I can mm-hmm. have candid conversations with him. And I actually spoke to a group of um, college students this morning, which is why I'm a little bit dry. And yeah, and I said to them, it's very important that you have a mentor and that mm-hmm. you are a mentor. Oh, yeah.
1: Um, both are equally. Both,
0: both are very important, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. So... It's a long relationship.
0: Yeah, it's been about 30 years. Yeah.
1: So, as you're looking back at your younger self, are there any things you say? You know what? As I look back, anything that you do differently, anything that you change, or?
0: Um. I always wanted to go to law school, mm-hmm. and I had um, I applied to law school and was admitted when I was working first American, and I was going to go to the, the night school. Here in Nashville, mm-hmm. because I always thought the law degree would complement what I do as a uh-huh. banker very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and within two weeks of being accepted, my job at the bank changed, and it required me to travel a week a month. Oh. And so I had to leave that one on the side. So sometimes I think about going back and doing it just to see if I could do it.
1: That's part of what I was wondering. What are you thinking into the future? Which yeah. we'll hit that here in a little bit, but yeah. I know. There was a lot of organic growth, but I think over the 10 years, there were some acquisitions. That's correct. You made as well.
0: Sure. We've done three acquisitions. Mm -hmm. We bought another bank in 2012. Mm -hmm. We bought a mortgage company in 2014, really to augment our product array for our personal bankers, Mm -hmm. our consumers. Uh, They do residential mortgages all in Middle Tennessee. And then in 2018, we bought a bank over in East Tennessee. Uh, to expand into that market and really complement what we were doing here.
1: I know part of that, Claire, is you're literally buying the balance sheets when you make that acquisition, but those are real people, and I know culture mm-hmm. is so important to you. So what have you done to make sure that when you're bringing these banks together, you're making that acquisition that the culture remains?
0: That's a that's a great question as well. It, that's probably mm-hmm. as important as anything. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you've got to retain your, your clients because that's your deposit base, and you've got to retain your employees, and... Um, I think we we uh, we've done really well on both both fronts, and and it's about being in the markets, being out there talking to them, learning their first names, learning about their families, Mm -hmm. being responsive, being supportive, uh, listening. Um, You know, it takes effort, but it's very rewarding and -hmm. encouraging. You can't no, not one person can do that on their own. Oh yeah, it takes effort. It takes it takes the whole team to have that attitude. And really be collaborative. And so that's something we talked about a lot internally. When we, when we were putting the two teams together from uh, Capstar Middle Tennessee and Capstar East Tennessee, uh, we populated an integration team with mm-hmm. people from both markets, right. both disciplines, both perspectives, um, to really try to bring out the best in all of us.
1: Did you track and look at retention numbers, whether it was from a customer standpoint mm-hmm. or employees?
0: I think uh, we retained all of our customers, which is remarkable. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's remarkable. It's remarkable. quite a batting average. Yeah, yeah. remarkable. We mm-hmm. may have lost one, but mm-hmm. um, really, really high retention. And in, in acquisitions like this, usually your um, your loss of customers is at least 10 to 15 percent. So, And I really attribute that to the team on the ground in East Tennessee. Oh, yeah because they did a fabulous job of really uh, Mm hand-holding the customer base, again, being responsive and letting us know what was working, what wasn't working.
1: What obviously worked if you're Yeah, we're we're very
0: pleased with that. You know, Mm -hmm. part of an acquisition, though, Mm -hmm. is about gaining synergies. And so on the employee side, we knew that we would have some loss of Mm -hmm. employees because you don't need two human resources directors, you don't need two CFOs, you don't need two... Uh, directors of operations and so there were there were folks really from both sides we mm-hmm. tried to pick the best yeah. it wasn't just about taking out the cost just on the the east Tennessee side so um, we stepped back and really looked at um, who the best people were for for this that and the other so, yeah
1: I don't yeah. know a lot of people, when acquisitions occur, I mean, just going back to the customer side, they get nervous. Like, my bank that I've always known and loved and the relationships, what's going to
0: happen? Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, when you change the signage, mm-hmm. change the name, um, that um, that's very emotional. You know, I went through that when we sold First American, and I, I remember how tough that was. And so we oh, tried huh. to be very sensitive about it
1: which that's something I forgot to ask. <clears throat> so you know, there's always significance and meaning behind a name. So Capstar. Naming the from?
0: bank was <laughs> one of the most difficult and time-consuming <laughs> parts because, as you can imagine... Um, Just
1: 59 you, iterations again? <laughs>
0: yeah, there were a lot, probably 50. Uh-huh. Um, we, we own a lot of URLs. Um, uh, because you have to go through the process and vet it and make sure it's not used by someone else. Oh, yeah. And so we, um, we thought about Parthenon Bank, you know, mm-hmm. with the Nashville oh, history. Yeah. We thought about Centennial. We thought about Watauga, which is the lake over at Centennial oh, yeah. Park. So you can go through the litany. Mm-hmm. And in each case, uh, whoever had that similar name would not give us permission. And so we said, well, Nashville's the capital. Yeah. Cap. There's three stars on the flag, star. So um, it became Capstar. But with that said, um, I called our regulator uh, when we named the bank. Uh-huh. And um, she's a delightful person. The woman we were working with um, lives out on a farm. And I said to her, we finally named the bank. Isn't that exciting? She said, well, what's it called? Uh-huh. I said, it's called Capstar. She said, you do know that's the name of a flea and tick killer, don't you? <laughs> so I was deflated a bit, but I uh-huh. said, we're going with it. So it stuck.
1: And I did so, not know that. Yeah. And obviously it hasn't held you back.
0: It hel- hasn't held us back. Yeah.
1: Did you ever hear from that company? Like, you're stealing our name?
0: No, because they were clearly a, an animal-based company, so there was no competing uh, as with mm-hmm. us as a bank. So that one didn't, we didn't hit any resistance on that.
1: Got it. So, you know 10 years later on this journey, I mean, and it's been remarkable from literally zero. You'd mentioned the one billion, now you're over two billion. Right. So, on this continued trajectory, Claire, what was it that said, okay, you, time for something new, make a transition and look for new leadership at Capstar?
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. So, um, um, we do a management succession process mm-hmm. as part of our corporate governance mm-hmm. every year. And um, we do that within the organization down several levels. Mm -hmm. But we also do it with our senior team. Um, Obviously, we lost um, the gentleman who was our president almost a year ago. He passed away. And um, uh, so you've always got to be prepared. Mm -hmm. Our board has a very um, disciplined and and, uh, responsible attitude toward corporate governance. And so when... um, when we knew that I wanted to start easing out, we did a nationwide search. Um, this it's, it's really a perfect world for me now because I spend mm-hmm. my time really helping my successor become ingrained in the organization, mm-hmm. introducing him to customers, to the regulators, to community leaders, um, and then I'm out calling on customers all the time, which is what I love doing.
1: Oh yeah, I know. It's I've complete seen that first hand. Yeah, complete circle. Yeah.
0: Complete circle, right.
1: Fantastic. So is there a transition timeline Or how long? Sure,
0: sure, sure, sure. Uh-huh. I'll work full time until the end of next May. Okay. And then I'll, I'll work two days a week for about a year after that. So Got it. I nice know. way to improve my golf game. Absolutely.
1: Frees up a little time, which I know normally yeah, it does. you don't have. Yeah. And I remember reading, was it last year, Claire, you had quite a distinction, quite an honor being elected to the Federal Reserve.
0: That's correct. Uh I'm uh, a member of the Board of Directors of the Atlanta Fed, which is the Mm 6th district.
1: So So give me a glimpse. What does that really mean? What are you doing?
0: So we have eight board meetings a year at which we discuss what's going on in our respective markets. Mm -hmm. We always hear from economists at the Fed. Uh, The responsibility of the Fed, the, 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 the mandate is really about monetary policy, which is Inflation and unemployment. Mm-hmm. So, people need to keep that in mind. That's the mandate. It's not what's going on in China. Uh-huh. Um, and so, we meet eight times a year. Um, but we also have a call, a conference call, with each of the nine directors and the president of the Atlanta Fed every two weeks, okay. to vote on what we think our recommendation to the um, Federal Open Market Committee. Is part of the Fed, yeah. uh, should be on interest rates. And so every two weeks on Thursday, we either vote to lower, hold, or raise rates, and then we communicate that. So that's been fascinating because the, the board is populated with a variety of individuals, mm-hmm. three bankers, six non-bankers, uh, different business people, different acumens yeah. that they have. And so it's it's really quite interesting to be um, up close and personal. I back it's
1: yeah, that's oftentimes what gets the most press is, well, what's happened with interest rates? Mm-hmm. They're going up, they're going down, they hold them, and then why? Yeah. So do you know what the results of those votes are each time? Sure. Is it 9-0 most times, or is mm, it split? I can't
0: answer that. <laughs> <laughs> we have, um, uh-huh. we have a, a great diversity on the board with very thoughtful people with yeah. different perspectives. It's important it's very important and I would say that's the case if you follow any of the press with um, the um, differences of opinions between all the people that are on the um, the federal open market committee right now you'll know that not everyone agrees yeah,
1: and you're not sharing can't do it <laughs> it's just fascinating that yeah, it's very you know you're on the inside and the old saying be a fly on the wall and hear some of those calls be part of some of those meetings
0: yeah it's it's it's, it's quite an experience I bet
1: so that's a three-year term? Yes. So, I mean, there's a end to that. You talked about your transition at Capstar. So I guess first question, as you look into the future, you went from zero to two billion and have had a great run. So what's the future look like for Capstar?
0: Well, if you look at um, high-performing financial institutions, what you'll see is that you really attain the, the most attractive valuation based upon the, the financial mm-hmm. metrics if you're between five and ten billion dollar, five and ten dollar, five and ten billion dollars in assets, um, so we're at two today. Mm-hmm. Are we going to be five tomorrow? No, yeah. not at all. But I think as you move closer to that five, what that does is help you with your operating leverage, um, with management of capital, with people, um, expense expense management, and you can become more profitable, which will then hopefully translate to your valuation. Mm-hmm. So. I think we're on a good trajectory. We don't want to lose the, the beauty of being really a Tennessee-based bank. Mm-hmm. This is such a fabulous market for us oh, yeah. to be in, and East Tennessee is a great market in itself. So um, we don't aspire to, um, to really be a national or international type bank. Our mission to begin with was to serve the, the small to medium-sized businesses, mm-hmm. their owners and operators uh, and employees, and that's what we'll continue to do and try to grow it like that.
1: Well, the way Nashville's grown, it makes it much easier Well, when the city's grown the way it when is. when
0: the city grows the way it has, it also attracts mm-hmm. many, many banks. So there's mm-hmm. over 60 banks in Nashville now. 60?
1: Mm-hmm. I si- 60
0: different banks. Yeah. Banks and credit unions. Mm-hmm. Um, not branches, banks. Mm-hmm. So it's quite competitive. I had no idea. I knew there were yeah. a lot, but. It's quite competitive. But that's where the whole Capstar model works mm-hmm. because we distinguish ourselves from the much larger organizations mm-hmm. because we can be more agile. We make decisions here locally. We, uh, we pursue something called tailored client solutions, which means mm-hmm. we craft something that works for you, yeah. not necessarily something that will work for the masses. Um, and I think that enables our bankers to be successful and get the wins.
1: Absolutely. So... You talked about the future of the bank and continue to grow and get to that sweet spot and continue to focus here in Nashville. What about you, Claire? What are well, you thinking?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I love the work I'm doing on the Fed. I love my local um, board activity. Mm-hmm. Um, I have you know, several entities um, that I've been fortunate enough to serve all not-for-profits. Um, I'd love to do some for-profit board work. Okay. Um, I think I, I've uh, got some experience that could be valuable, and I think I would really enjoy doing that, so... Absolutely. Yeah.
1: You didn't mention your golf game, though.
0: It's getting better. <laughs> it's getting better. I'm still working full-time, so I'm not on the golf course that much, but maybe once a week.
1: You're still out there you know, visiting customers and yeah. taking care of them. And,
0: and if I can take a customer to play golf, then I kill two birds with one stone.
1: So. Doubly invested. Yeah,
0: exactly. exactly. Like you said.
1: Yeah. Well, that is exciting. I guess you talked about mentors. So, you know, I know when we talked previously, you mentioned Tim, who's your successor. Mm -hmm. So tell me about that relationship there, because he's the one that's going to take your legacy, your baby and, you know, into the next decade. So
0: Tim's an experienced banker. Um, He and I get along very, very well. Um, um, He's been very respectful as he's, as he's gotten into the organization and, and learned about things. Um, You know, one, one thing that uh, we wanted to be sure happened was that he has the ability to make tough decisions and not be sensitive of hurting my feelings or something. <laughs> um, so I stepped off the board oh, to wow. give him the, the the latitude in the audience to be able to really put his mark on things. And um, I'm pulling for him because if he does well, my stock does well. Oh, yeah. I'm sure he's got plenty of stock. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, and I, you know, he's, he's really become quite ingrained. He loves Nashville, moved his family here, and um, I'm going to do everything I can to make him a success.
1: Yeah, I know you had mentioned hiring a search firm. Right. And I didn't realize that was an, a national search. It was a
0: national search, right. Yeah. He was in Abingdon, Virginia most recently at a bank there, so.
1: Got it. Was that difficult, finding, you know, the right person?
0: Well, it's, you know, it's, it's a pretty critical role, and so oh, yeah. the, the board and the, the committee that was really charged with that um, really uh, did a judicious job of um, filtering. Uh, you know, They didn't see all 250. The search firm sort right. of narrowed Nailed it down. down. yeah. But, um, um, you know, it's a, again, all of the directors are investors in the company, and mm-hmm. so they, they care a lot about it. It's their baby as well, and so um, I think there was a uh, quite a bit of effort and thoughtfulness that went into selecting Tim.
1: Yeah, and I know just the reception I've heard with some of your employees that I've had discussions with. You know, it seems like he's doing really well. Oh, sure. Yep. Plugged in and.
0: Yep.
1: Fantastic. Well, I know you've got another commitment you know this afternoon but I'd have one question is you know we've gotten to know each other Claire Mm -hmm. and you get to know our business authentically American I always love to ask the question so what does it mean to you to be authentically American
0: oh wow um (laughs) you bring up my patriotism (laughs) you know um Mm -hmm. you know I just I think what you all are doing Mm -hmm. um is is so great um particularly with all of the sound bites that occur with tariffs no tariffs things made overseas and um, it's been interesting as I have watched some of my customers who have um, changed their view on where they do business, who they source from, and trying mm-hmm. to do more domestically, certainly doing more with European countries oh, yeah. than with with the Asian countries as things have evolved, but also really trying to source materials and workers here um, locally I just think it's um it 's a wonderful country and it 's one mm-hmm. that we should um we should be proud of and try to do everything we can to um, have local products.
1: Absolutely, and uh, you said you are gonna talk about your patriotism, so where did that come from? I know you're very patriotic and...
0: Yeah, well, you know, uh, my grandfather was in the Army, you know, served, he also uh, served in World War I. Uh, He was actually, um, had several medals that he received for yeah. service overseas that um, we're we're very pleased with and then my dad was in the army before Got he it. went to college so um, it's kind of in the blood
1: yeah, that's fantastic I love to hear those stories because one of the things about not only are we a brand that celebrates patriotism and believes in the American worker but we also very intentionally want to honor our American heroes you know, your grandfather and your father who have served and we donate 10% of our gross profits Veteran and First Responder Charities. It's wonderful.
0: It's, yeah, it's you amazing. built a great company.
1: Yeah, We're just starting, so we're two years into this journey. So, Claire, you give us a role model. So I know you've talked with a lot of companies over the years, those small to middle market, we want to keep continuing to grow like you have. So how about advice for us as one of your customers on our growth journey?
0: Oh, probably a couple of things. Mm-hmm. I would say um, really focus on... Uh, your employees and and creating the culture because as you get bigger and bigger it gets more and more difficult so you really have to ingrain that either with onboarding or with frequency of communication because I think that permeates throughout the entire organization and that then in turn has a ripple effect on your investors on your customers on your community so I'd say really focus in on making sure you've got the right culture and alignment of values uh, within the organization uh, would be the, the best advice I could give you.
1: Got it. So I'm curious because we, you know, it started with just my wife and I two years ago, and now we're up to eight, and we're getting ready to hire number nine. So we'll continue to grow, expand, and you've expanded substantially beyond that. So how did you mani- maintain that communication when there were just three of you, like you started, and now there's how many at
0: Capstar? 300.
1: 300. So quite a different dynamic.
0: Yeah, quite. And you have to work at it. Uh You really have to work at it. Um, We do a couple of things. We have uh, a monthly publication Mm -hmm. called The Conversation where we highlight what's going on at the company but also with individuals. Um, We have um, a series of quarterly awards that we Mm -hmm. uh, give to various employees, both on the sales side but, importantly, those employees that embody the values of the company, um, integrity, Mm -hmm. commitment, customer focus. Um, and, um, then we'll do periodic events out on the, the plaza. Uh, we, we have quarterly earnings calls that we have just for the employee base so we can communicate what the performance of the company has been. Um, and, um, really try to encourage people to get out into the community. We have something called Capstar Cares, mm-hmm. which is a program uh, in which we give each employee 40 hours a year that they can use of paid time to work in the community for a charity that they are um, passionate about. Um, we'll have group uh, activities, you know, walks for um American Heart Association, or whatever, um, we've got quite a contingency that's very competitive on um, uh, who can who can cover the most steps in, in a oh, month. Yeah. yeah, they're pretty competitive. But that, I think, that helps embody uh, communication across yeah. the organization. Um, we also do something called um, lunch and learn or food for thought, where we'll have a group of. 12 to 15 employees from across the organization, Mm -hmm. and we bring them in uh, once a month to have a conversation about a variety of different topics, but to help people that ordinarily would not communicate with each other or know who they were or what they did, other than a phone call maybe, um, to encourage them to get to know a new colleague and build respect for people that they wouldn't ordinarily work with.
1: Got it sounds like over-communicate and giving back and culture exactly are three big things. Do yeah. you ever do one-on-one lunch and learn, Claire? Oh, sure. I could use some advice for me. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> On our journey.
0: Yeah. yeah. And that's that's fun too. That's part of mentoring. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a line you can't cross when it's your employee, but. Certainly understand.
1: Um, yeah. Well, Claire, I know you've got a busy rest of the afternoon and it was truly an honor and a thank you. pleasure to get to know you better and hear your story and thank you for, you know, making a difference.
0: Absolutely. It's been my pleasure you've been listening to the authentically american podcast you can follow authentically american on instagram facebook and twitter and find all our episodes at authentically american.us forward slash podcast if you haven't yet go to apple podcasts to subscribe rate and review this podcast thank you for listening Thank you.